0: Welcome to the Backyard Professor Responds videos. I have very great anticipation and excitement for the Thrive Unite that we're all going to be participating in tomorrow. Thrive is occurring in hundreds of meetings and places all around the world. I'm going to be very excited to enjoy the Thrive that I'm going to go to. They're in dozens and dozens of cities around the world. In the meantime, I have found a older video talk of Dallin H. Oaks, the apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, wherein he spoke, if I remember right, it was a BYU speech. I believe it was in 1992. If I remember right, it's called Our Strengths can become our downfall. And in this particular video, I think this is probably very prophetic for his own self. He's a relatively new apostle during this talk. And there are so many things in this talk that would benefit him today, years down the road, decades later, of him and his actions and his words and his approach to the church and to religion and to the Savior as a member of the First Presidency today. I think Elder Oaks would tremendously benefit from going back to this earlier speech he gave and recognize that he was trying to talk to his future self even though I don't think he realized it these words are so very applicable to Dallin Oaks and the Mormon Church today that I just am astonished at the relevance not to mention And this is unfortunate, the abject hypocrisy, because he's forgotten what he talked about. Let's take a look at Elder Oaks' comments, some of them.
1: Another strength Satan can exploit to seek our downfall is a strong desire to understand everything about every principle of the gospel. How could that possibly work to our detriment? Experience teaches that if this desire is not disciplined, it can cause some to pursue their searchings past the fringes of orthodoxy, seeking answers to mysteries rather than a firmer understanding and a better practice of the basic principles of the gospel. Some seek answers to questions God has not chosen to answer. Others receive answers or think they receive answers in ways that are contrary to the order of the church. For such searchers, Satan stands ready to mislead through sophistry or spurious revelation. Persons who hunger after a full understanding of all things must discipline their questions and their methods, or they can get close to apostasy without even knowing it. It may be just as dangerous to exceed orthodoxy as it is to fall short of it. The safety and happiness we are promised lies in keeping the commandments, not in discounting them or multiplying them.
0: It's remarkable, isn't it, that...
1: He is attempting
0: to say only the answers the church gives are always going to be correct because orthodoxy is the rule, when in point of fact, when we look back at history, orthodoxy has never gotten it right. Had orthodoxy gotten it right, Joseph Smith's answer in the first vision would have been entirely different, right? Orthodoxy never got it right, including the orthodoxy of the Mormon Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. I also found it very remarkably interesting and telling that he doesn't want us to search for answers that we don't have our questions answered to. And if we don't get answers, then stop, because it's going to take you beyond what the church teaches. Of course it is, because by now we know the church isn't giving us the full answers either, so all we have to turn to is to God, which actually should be our always first choice. The other thing I noticed interesting is he basically says, quit looking for greater light and knowledge that Father promised. Don't seek the mysteries. And yet, because Joseph Smith thought through the mysteries, he sought out the mysteries and he explained, it is my provenance, province, whatever, to teach the saints the mysteries. He expanded, he emphasized going far beyond just the basics, but today's church doesn't want you to do that. I find that quite interesting, very, very interesting. Let's keep watching and hearing what Dallin Oaks has to say.
1: Closely related to this example is the person who has a strong desire to be led by the Spirit of the Lord, but unwisely extends that strength to the point of desiring to be led in all things. A desire to be led by the Lord is a strength, but it needs to be accompanied by an understanding that our Heavenly Father leaves many decisions for our personal choices. Personal decision-making is one of the sources of the growth we are meant to experience in mortality. Persons who try to shift all decision-making to the Lord and plead for revelation in every choice will soon find circumstances where they pray for guidance and don't receive it. For example, this is likely to occur in those numerous circumstances where the choices are trivial or whether either choice is acceptable. We should study things out in our minds, using using the reasoning powers our Creator has placed within us. Then we should pray for guidance and act upon it if we receive it, and upon our best judgment if we do not. Persons who persist in seeking revelatory guidance on subjects on which the Lord has not chosen to direct us may concoct an answer out of their own fantasy or bias, or they may even receive an answer through the medium of false revelation. Revelation from God is a sacred reality, but like other sacred things, it must be cherished and used properly so that a great strength does not become a disabling weakness." Each one of these examples of how our strengths can become our downfall could be the subject of an entire talk, but the number of illustrations I wish to give forces me to limit my comments on each one of them. The honors we receive—sometimes—from our peers are potentially a strength. But we need to remember that Satan can turn these to our detriment also. We must be careful that we do not become like the prophet Balaam. The apostle Peter said that Balaam loved the wages of unrighteousness, which Elder McConkie interpreted as the honors of men and the wealth of the world. Honors may come, but we should beware that they do not deflect our priorities and commitments away from the things of God.
0: Yes, that is very interesting that he obviously forgot this talk and his knowledge when it comes to the SEC scandal with which he is completely neck deep in right now as a member of the First Presidency when it comes to just that wealth of the world. And he encourages us to. Um, oh, my notes are messed up. The scandal. And the minuscule amount of charity that he encourages the church to give, which is less than one-tenth of one percent, which I do believe is this next video clip also. Let's take a look.
1: A willingness to sacrifice all we possess in the work of the Lord is surely a strength. In fact, it is a covenant we make in sacred places. But even this strength can bring us down if we fail to confine our sacrifices to those things the Lord and his leaders have asked of us at this time. <laughs> yeah. You know
0: this, he's trying to say, let the church tell you where to sacrifice your wealth. Don't you do it. You, te- you let us tell you. And that is where I say, Only the church gets to tell us what to do with its wealth when it itself has been so fiscally irresponsible and illegally not reporting its wealth and hoarding its wealth for a rainy day instead of using it for good, not only for Zion, but for everybody else who needs it. The hypocrisy here is a little bit much.
1: Let's keep going and see what else Elder Oaks gives us to ponder. Persons who consider it insufficient to pay their tithes and offerings and to work in the positions to which they have been called can easily be led astray by cultist groups and other bizarre outlets for their willingness to sacrifice. Some persons have a finely developed social conscience. They respond to social injustice and suffering with great concern, commitment, and generosity. This is surely a spiritual strength, something many of us need in greater measure. Yet persons who have this great quality need to be cautious that it not impel them to overstep other ultimate values. My social conscience should not cause me to coerce others to use their time or means to fulfill my objectives. We are not blessed for magnifying our calling with someone else's time or resources. We are commanded to love our neighbors, not to manipulate them, even for righteous purposes. Uh...
0: wow (laughs) on every social issue that we've had for 20 years we ought to see the blatant hypocrisy of how he has been since he's been in the first presidency. Not only with the LBGTQ, but with money, with giving to charity of such an utterly minuscule amount of the money, and in fact, of manipulating everybody else. That is the essence of the church that he's almost the prophet of. Just wow. Wow. Let's get, let's keep going if we can. Wow,
1: that's astonishing. A church or church education teacher or LDS university professor who gathers such a following and does this for the sake of riches and honor is guilty of priestcraft. Priestcrafts are that men preach and set themselves up for a light unto the world, that they may get gain and praise of the world, but they seek not the welfare of Zion.
0: (laughs) So, I, I, I mean, this is the essence of Mormonism right there. He's saying it to individual members. And, of course, Lori and Chad Daybell is a very timely reminder of the problem with the overzealousness of preppers and the bundies and people like that. Desnap and all those. Yes, that's true. But isn't that the essence of what the Twelve Apostles are doing? They constantly tell everyone, look up to us. And I forgot to get that clip where he actually does say, don't criticize the leaders, even if the criticism is true. It's wrong to criticize the church leaders, even if you're right in the criticism. Is not that setting people up to follow them and them only? Yes, it is. See, there's Wow, there's a lot of issues here, man. Let's keep going, see what else he says. Aye, aye, aye.
1: A related distortion is seen in the practice of those who select a few sentences from the teachings of a prophet and use these to support their political agenda or other personal purposes. In doing so, they typically ignore the contrary implications of other prophetic words, or even the clear example of the prophet's own actions.
0: Which is sincerely without question. The greatest example given to us of this practice is the church during general conference, sacrament meeting, Sunday school, priesthood meeting, and in every other way. They haven't given us any other method with which to study the truth except that one of which they themselves excel the best at. You know, the question is, uh, oh, hold on, I forgot my heater. i got to shut my heater off. Boy, that just blows my presentation all the smithereens, doesn't it? So the the crazy thing is they've collected hundreds of billions of dollars simply because they've taken bits and snippets and pieces of former profits and made themselves a cult of filthy lucrative riches mountains of it and they don't share it so i mean the hypocrisy here is incredible let's see what else he wants to say i believe i have one more presentation snip here that I will share with you. Oh, no, that is it. That was the last one. I might have skipped one, darn it. I hope I didn't, but I might have. So my point in all of this is that Elder Oaks' early self had some exquisitely good principles. What he's trying to call for is take the middle path. Don't get extreme one side or the other. This is Buddhism, yes. But now that he is 20, 25, 30 years down the road and in a position of astonishing power and influence, his hypocrisy is utterly breathtaking. I would suggest to Elder Dallin Oaks, in all sincerity, that you go back and listen to your earlier self and recognize that you, while back then were talking out to everyone else, you now, as a member of the First Presidency, you need to take those words and begin practicing them. So that would be what I would hope he would do. So... Thanks for watching the Backyard Professor Responds. I appreciate all your support and love, um, if you can head over to BackyardProfessor.org. Google BackyardProfessor.org. Hit the donate button. A one-time donation of a small monthly amount or a weekly amount or even a one-time donation is very nice. It does help us continue to produce quality responses, research, and information. This doesn't... We can't do this for free, but we are not asking for boatloads and mountain loads of filthy lucre either we will always strive our best to give you the best materials with the best reasonings and the best evidence because after all we don't want a whitewashed history That's why we are on this side of the divide. We do feel deceived. We do feel lied to. It's not comfortable. I get that. But when we acquire the real history, it is also true that the brethren are correct. It really is not faith-promoting. So what do we do with that? That is why all of us podcasters are exploring these issues with you, our family and friends and members who are in transition and Mormons who are having questions. And even you faithful Mormons who just want to see another point of view that has, I would propose, at least equal validity to any of the scriptural contextualizations with which you have been taught out of context in most regards and without the full historical background that shows the problem of the orthodoxy and the doctrines as interpreted by the orthodoxy, which by any measure of reasonableness simply cannot be accurate or correct.